0: Bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, a lot more went on yesterday. I think when we left off, let's see, we didn't know that Wyoming's game was going to be canceled. That was now canceled. Um, since then, we've learned that the Mountain West would actually rather have um, Wyoming play CSU again. Um, and I guess the the details there don't really matter to Buffs fans, but they did already play this season, and that game was for the boot, and then there was like a whole bunch of drama about whether a potential rematch would also be for the boot, and then... I think Rams fans probably spent some time grappling with whether they'd be willing to man up and put the trophy on the line. or But that stuff doesn't really matter to Buffs fans um, other than the fact that CSU does not seem like uh, they're having a good time. Um, Since then, um, the athletic director for Wyoming, so now we've skipped ahead to today. This was this morning a couple hours ago. He tweeted, um, with Utah State canceling our game on Wednesday, I did everything possible to secure a regional opponent to play in WMS. That must be the stadium? Must be the stadium. Um, I wanted our players to have a chance to compete. They deserve it. Um, they wanted them to have a chance to compete, one exclamation point, they deserve it, two exclamation points. Um, unfortunately, nobody wanted to play. I'm frustrated and disappointed. I appreciate our players' focus on staying healthy and beg them to stay focused while preparing to play again. hashtag we just want to play. It's always kind of a weird thing. Like, like I understand the whole like recruit wants to get it onto his notes app and like type out a note and then screenshot that and then put that on Twitter. It's different when an athletic director does it, right? Like like I think that that's very different. It's just kind of, like, a weird thing. Like, if if Rick George, for example, had tried to schedule a game, well, first of all, he probably would have gotten a game scheduled. Um, but second of all, if, like, for some crazy reason he wasn't able to, um, he likely would have had, like, a press release sent out. And it would be, like, nicely, like, typed out, very clear and concise. And, uh, you know, there would probably be, like, a quote from him, maybe a quote from Carl as well. Um I don't know. It just kind of surprised me to see that the Athletic Director's primary mode of communication was a screenshot of his Notes app. Um, when he likely pays a lot of money to do communicating for him. Doesn't really matter. We probably shouldn't have spent that much time on it. But as of now, we don't really know what's up, except that the Pac-12 did approve non-conference games. It, it's It's really late in the week though and so I'm not really sure who you could schedule at this point but you you, you know the, the the thing is if Colorado had found an opponent two days ago they wouldn't have announced it until today anyway most likely because I think the Pac-12 would really want Colorado to wait to see if there is a Pac-12 opponent. And so I don't think that there would have been an announcement until Thursday or Friday anyway. Um, and that's just my take. Um, and so while it is getting kind of late to schedule a, a new game, m- more than that, it's just a really, it's, it's really late in the week to be figuring out who you could schedule a game against. Like I, I'm kind of, hoping that at some point in the last couple of days, Rick George was talking to some athletic director who he thinks would be, like, a good match for this weekend or represents a school that would be a good match for this weekend. And he said, like, hey, here's what's up. Let's be ready for this. And and let's pull the trigger on Thursday or Friday as soon as the Pac-12 says that we've waited long enough to make sure that everybody in the Pac-12 who's healthy gets a chance to play. Um, and, And those irons could be in the fire. I haven't heard... Anything about that, I don't believe. Um, we, we did hear that Colorado State is very focused on um, Air Force. and I think they they even put out a statement today that included like we're we're really locked into our rivalry game that's next week on a short week and it's like well it's not it's not really on a short week. It's actually on a very long week. Um, if you scheduled a game, if you did schedule a game then yes, next Thursday would be a short week. Um, but you didn't say we're trying to schedule our, we're trying not to put ourselves in a short week. You said that you're in a short week and that's just not true. And I, I don't know. It's not like these are like lies or like really like manipulating people or anything It doesn't really matter, but it's the kind of stuff that just kind of bugs me where it's like, okay, you guys are going to call this a short week when you literally have a week and a half off. What you're really doing is saying we don't want to be on a short week. Maybe it's semantics. Maybe I'm just frustrated but I I, it's it's kind of I you could be more clear and make it seem less childish like it just seems like they're whiny like you don't have to bring up your short week okay um oh so I think that that's where we are right now Pac-12 has approved non-conference games although it is late in the week as of noon on Thursday there haven't been any other Pac-12 cancellations I haven't even seen any rumors of any cancellations. Like, it's not even like you're saying, hey, uh, pff, pff, let's say uh, Washington seems like they might have a couple of guys who are sick. There might be something around the corner. We'll see what the contract... No, there's there's nothing going on. Um, and Again, th- th- this is how it works, though, is that it's just all of a sudden one team one day isn't capable of playing. And that happened to the Pac-12, I think, on Thursday and Friday last week. It was either Thursday and Friday or Wednesday and Friday. And so we're certainly not out of the thick of it yet, but the clock is certainly ticking. Um, So there's our update on if Colorado will play this week. Um, If any news comes in while we're talking, um, obviously we'll cover that too. But yeah, as it stands now, that's what we're looking at. Um, Although... Next week, there will be uh, some basketball games. The men's and women's basketball teams are both going to be back in action. uh, I believe on Wednesday is the first game for both of them. Um, The men will play South Dakota on Wednesday and then Kansas State on Friday down at that tournament. Um, Where is that tournament? I'm blanking on it. Bramlage Coliseum. That doesn't help. Oh, it's in Kansas. Okay. Um, That's the K-State Arena. And then uh, the women's team will play Western State on Wednesday and then Air Force on Saturday. Uh, We're going to be talking about the women's basketball team just a little bit tomorrow. Uh, Just get everybody kind of previewed for the season because they're in an interesting place having not made the tournament in quite a while. Um, But having a bunch of youth... Uh, that is now one more year experienced after putting together a pretty exciting season last year. You know, you you can't say it was like an overly successful season because they wound up I think it was one win short or two wins short of uh the uh of March Madness. I think they would have gone to the oh, uh, is it the W N I T is what they call it? I can't remember. Um But they were right on that verge, and they bring back just about everybody. And you can go back and find those wins pretty easily. I think when Stanford was ranked fourth in the country, Colorado went out to Palo Alto, and they played a great game, and then Stanford hit a buzzer beater not from center court but from two steps inside center court um, to, to give them the win. And that was brutal, but it just seemed like every time the Buffs turned the corner, um, there uh, there was something really disappointing happening, like just late in games. Um, because again, like when, when you're playing in the Pac-12, most of the conference is in the top 25. Um, and it typically, I wonder if we have the women's preseason rankings, um, just because I'm curious. But it seems like for the most part, usually they're half, half of the top 10 as well. Um, okay. I just pulled these up. So this is from October 13th. Um, Oh, and they spaced everything out. So let's see, you've got Stanford at number three. You've got Arizona at number seven, Oregon, number nine. Um, Oh, and they only went top 10, but it just kind of keeps going from there. Um, there's, there's so much going on with Pac-12 basketball. Obviously last year, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, was at her peak. Um, but the buffs, I think they, they had a tight game against everybody except Oregon. And by tight game, I mean one or two possessions and, and most of them were one possession. There were a bunch of heartbreakers in there. Um, so it's going to be fun to follow along. You know, there's no guarantee that they take a step this season. um, But you could see how this could be kind of like a defining year, like a little pivot point, like them finally making it to the next level. And uh, we're going to have a couple of uh, them on the podcast tomorrow for a bit to talk about the season, which should be a bunch of fun. Uh, So be ready for that. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much all of like the news and notes type stuff that I wanted to get through. But um, let's talk about Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is an incredible dentistry. It's 15 minutes away from downtown Denver, super conveniently located in Lakewood. Uh, It's family owned. uh, They're huge Colorado sports fans. Uh, It's just like the, the kind of business that we want to be supporting during these times. Plus, they do really great work. And so you probably don't even need to think about that first part and you'd still decide to go there. Um, and if those two things weren't enough, then the free Sonicare toothbrush that you can get when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam should steal the deal. Get out to Green Mountain Dental Group. They do great work, and uh, they support a whole bunch of things that we support. So why not? Okay. Um, so um, yesterday's podcast was done Before the media availability, so we actually have two days of media notes to get through, and we've got about 30 minutes to knock these out. So, um, starting with yesterday when we heard from Carl Durrell, um, kind of the same stuff that we've been hearing, um, because there's no game on the schedule this week. They're really, like, looking at themselves and doing self-scouting and trying to figure out what they can do better. Um, There's the official tweet about the non-conference game, so that's cool. Oh, subject to certain parameters. I should pause this and see what the parameters are. That sounds important. All right, uh, back now. Um, The parameters are, um, okay, there are three. One. All Pac-12 testing and related protocols must be adhered to by the non-conference opponent. Uh, Number two, the non-conference game will in all cases be a home game for the Pac-12 team broadcast by a Pac-12 television partner. Um, And the third point, if a Pac-12 opponent becomes available by the end of day Thursday in any given week, the conference game must be played in lieu of any non-conference game. So, okay, there's... There's the big piece of news. Um, So we kind of figured, we talked about this yesterday, um, it didn't seem like the Pac-12 would let CU go up to CSU um, because of this stuff. That seems to be the case because of the rule that it has to be a home game for the Pac-12 team and broadcast by a Pac-12 television partner. That's also important because the conference makes about $5 million per game, um, which is then distributed – Amongst the 12 members. Um, that means that Colorado ends up making about $480,000 for playing a game this week. Um, but you would have to pay some of that money to your opponent. And that's where things would get kind of sticky, I would expect. And then, yeah, this third point. Um, that the Pac-12 opponent becomes available by the end of day Thursday. So we're right up against it here. Um, but I think that, that rule makes a lot of sense. I like that it's so clear because otherwise you're sitting there saying, well, there are cancellations on Friday. When are we able to pull the trigger? That's when you're able to pull the trigger. Um, interesting stuff really doesn't change all that much in my mind, uh, but certainly good to know. What is going on there? Back to these notes. Um, yeah, uh, they, they know there's an opportunity to play or there could be an opportunity to play later in the week. They're ready for that. Same like we're high alert, ready to go when we're told that there's a, a game to be played. Um, you know, there there wouldn't be a lot of time to work on game planning. That's something that Tyson Summers talked about today uh saying that you know it it would be a challenge but all we want is to be able to play and if that means that we're we're up all night for a couple of nights and we have to drink a bunch of coffee to get a game plan installed then that's what we're going to do to get a game plan installed and we're going to go play and we're <laughs> going to do our best to win um you know it's the it's the right attitude for sure um one interesting note that Carl had was uh you know, obviously, he has an NFL background. I think he spent one year in college football, maybe two since he left UCLA in 2007 until he got hired by the Buffs earlier this year. Um, he was asked, Have you ever been in a situation like this where you have this short of notice or, or this little time to get ready for a game? And he said, Yes. In the NFL, it happens whenever you have a Sunday night to Thursday night transition. So you play Sunday night football, and then you're on Thursday night football. And honestly, I, I would guess that most Sunday afternoon games would be pretty similar. Um, but you really have uh, two days to prepare. Um, and he says they would feel pretty similar to that. Um, you know, in that there's actually one more day Sunday or Thursday than if they found out today, let's see, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yeah, there's one more day than if they figured out now and scheduled a game for Sunday. Um, but that's their rest day, uh, which the buffs have already taken their rest rest day. Their Sunday off, um, just for like rehab, that kind of stuff after Saturday's game. Um, so yeah, uh, I thought that was pretty interested. Um, again, Colorado did look through all of its opponents. You know that coaching staff has preliminary scouting ap- um, reports on everybody who was on the schedule so hopefully they get to play one of those teams which would probably just be colorado state i guess texas a&m is free now too i'm not sure if the sec would let them go to a pac-12 school though um let's see oh on brady russell uh Carl said that he wouldn't be able to play this week. It's a lower leg injury. Um, he's going to miss significant time, at least a couple of weeks, and it's going to be next man up, and they're not going to change anything about how the tight ends are used. Um, Isaiah Lewis, um, Carl said that he's been under the radar, had a good training camp. Um, he, he can play a number of positions. He filled into Chris's job, Chris Miller's uh, role really well. He wasn't surprised to see it. He had a good camp. Um, he's shown that he can fill any of those roles. Um, and so they're excited to get Chris back, of course, but they've been impressed by Isaiah as well. Um, on the defense, giving up points. Um, because you you look at this defense, and you're like, wow, they've been incredible. And then you look at the numbers, and it's like, well, really, they've been the second worst by scoring in the Pac-12. And I actually have some thoughts on that too. Um, but what Carl said was, He saw great improvement in the defense from week one to week two. Uh, There weren't as many big plays. There's still things to work on, and there's youth in the secondary, but that youth is getting extra work this week, which should only help them going forward. Um, He likes how the defensive front is playing. They're stout against the run game. He said the defense is trending up. They're getting more familiar with what the players can do as a coaching staff, and that means that it's easier to tailor the defense to your personnel's strengths and uh, that applies to the offense as well. That's something that they feel like they're getting better at Um, and that the game would have been very different this week if they could have made plays on the ball. Um, A couple of my thoughts from that, though. Um, You know, it is true that there weren't as many big plays in Week 2, but at the same time, in week one, you were playing a big play offense, and in week two, you're playing a more of like a consistent pro-style type of offense. Pro-style is meaning less and less every year because the pros are doing some crazy stuff now too, but you know, a more conservative offense that isn't going after big plays. Whereas UCLA, with DTR, with, with everybody that they have there, they're just hunting those big plays. And so, yeah, there were fewer big plays in week two. How much of that was the defense? How much of that was the opponent? I'm not sure. Um, we're still early in the season, though, and we're going to find out. Um, oh, making plays on the ball. Uh, we'll just go through all this in order. We'll come back to that. Um, the on, on the center position, uh, we heard that Colby was wearing a boot, according to Brian Howell, who made the trip out for the game this weekend. Uh, Josh Gines didn't make the trip out. Um, but... Carl said that they should have some depth back next week with at least one of those guys um, coming back. He also said that Carson Lee uh, has been banged up and he would be back next week. Um, he, I believe, was the number three center, true freshman out of Cherry Creek High School, a guy who worked with Matt McChesney, um, and a lot of us were really excited by. and uh, Even thought there might have been like an outside chance he can compete for a, a spot this season. Um, but you should get... I believe Jines and Carson Lee back this week or I guess next week um with Colby being a little bit more up in the air. Um, also said that all of the guards are available and some of them or in all and most of them can do some snaps. Some of them have some experience at center as well. um again, tougher to game plan for a non-conference opponent depends on who it is though. Uh, need to know early in the week to uh, feel really comfortable playing against a non-conference conference team. Uh, Some quick notes from Mustafa yesterday. Um, He was asked about why the run defense was looking so good. And he said the big change is being an attacking style of defense. They're not reacting anymore. um, And, they're going after the ball, which is something that we talked about quite a bit leading up to the season. Um, He also said that it's on film now, which is an interesting note to throw out there. Um, There's a big emphasis on stopping the run and making an opponent one-dimensional. And maybe this is the time to jump in here because this note kind of keeps coming up, but the second half struggles, they... They might not be about struggling in the second half so much as struggling against the passing game. Um, And I am a little bit concerned, if I'm being honest. Like, Like, you see teams come out and try to have a balanced offense against the Buffs, and the buffs totally shut down the run game meaning that if if by being balanced you mean okay we're going to we're going to run on first down and then take it from there then all of a sudden you might be looking at a second and 9 or even like a second and 12 and and that makes those passing downs a little bit tougher it puts you in a situation where if, if the defense can make a play, you know, get some pressure, force an incompletion, get it to third and long, then you're in a good situation. Then you're into your full blitz packages. Like you can pull out anything you want and, and you're feeling a lot more comfortable. Um, sometimes by being balanced, you know, that means they want to run on first and second down. And, and if that's the case and you get a couple of good. Run defenses, then all of a sudden it's third and six, and you're putting himself in good situations. But no matter how you try to like script what that balance looks like, you can tell that the buffs are taking away the run game and forcing teams to be one dimensional, like Mustafa said. But once they do become one dimensional, it's typically in the second half. They aren't they aren't providing quite enough resistance, and you know they they aren't far off. They've, they've been able to stay ahead and keep typically two-score leads all through the entire second half uh, up until in that second game there was that very final possession when Stanford got the ball back w- with 80 yards to go with, or maybe even more than that, with 10 seconds on the clock and no timeouts. Outside of that, they haven't had the ball within one score of the Buffs in the second half in two games. So it's not like they've blown leads the leads have just gotten smaller. They've still never blown an entire lead. That means giving up your lead. They have not done that. Um, and I think that that's an important distinction. And and as we kind of keep going through the season, we're, we're going to learn whether this has been just played very well by the coaching staff, you know, doing the math and saying, you know what, if we just run the ball, even if they're expecting us to run the ball, we might not be able to... to keep the ball as long as we'd like, but just keeping the clock going when we're up three scores with eight minutes left, that's going to be enough that as long as we don't just get absolutely torched defensively, as long as we aren't giving up one or two play touchdowns, we're going to be just fine. Because so far, that's what it's looked like. And it could be that that wasn't the plan at all, um, that they're saying, oh no, we really need to get some points, and it all just kind of worked out that way. That situation is is one of the things that if you're a bus fan right now saying, "Do we believe that this team is this good?" That's what you look at. You, you, that right there, as well as what we were talking about earlier, um, with the big plays, You know, were the big plays down this week because the defense cut them down or because Stanford just can't produce as many big plays as UCLA does. We're gonna need to see this trend keep going before, at least before I'm willing to totally buy it. Um, but these are the kind of questions. It's, it's the big plays. It's the the pass defense, which it, again, this was this was noted by Tyson Summers today. You know those scoring drives that Stanford had. You know those were 13 and 15 yard drives. Those are some long drives. You know, and he said. During those drives, we had the ball hit the hands of one of our players four times. You know, at the very least, one of those drives should have ended. Just being realistic here, like one of those drives should have ended. I mean, there was one play where it, the ball hit two defenders in the hands in the end zone. And think about how much that changed the game. Then all of a sudden, there, Stanford has no shot at all instead of having a very slim outside shot you know it's it's kind of crazy in some ways watching the broncos and the buffs and i guess it wasn't quite the same for the broncos this week but but before this week the broncos had had a couple of weeks in a row where they were basically blown out it looked like the game was over at halftime and then in the second half they tear it up and in one case gave themselves the ball with uh let's see I believe 80... No, I was 75 yards to go um, with 40 seconds and no timeouts. You know, almost the same situation that Stanford found itself in. And and when you're a Broncos fan, because I, I spend a lot of time hearing from Broncos fans and Buffs fans, to Broncos fans, they're saying, oh, this game was over. We never had a chance. Like, this is so awful. Like, we need to be benching this and blowing everything up. You know, that kind of stuff. Saying, this wasn't even competitive. But then... The day before on Saturdays, you, you see the Buffs do the exact opposite. They're playing like the Broncos' opponent's role, and, and they're the ones who take this massive halftime lead, and then they let it slowly get chipped away throughout the course of the second half, and Buffs fans are like, hey, that that's not supposed to. And I think that it, it is easy to be just overly critical in those situations. Um on both sides, but, you know, the the truth is, at this point, we're still just learning, honestly, Buffs and Broncos, what is going on here, and we don't need to dig into what's going on with the Broncos or what could be because there's a separate podcast for that, uh, but in terms of the Buffs, what we know is they're going to be able to stop the run. I don't think there's a team in the country that will – be able to consistently run the ball against the Colorado Buffaloes throwing the ball. They need to get better. How much better they need to get from where they are right now. That's the big question. Because if you, if you want to, you can look back at last week. Like I said, and just say, Hey, we should have had a bunch of interceptions. And you know, the way the numbers work, you can't say we get, we should have had all five because some of them were like on the same drive as another one that you would have had previously. But when you look at what they made Stanford do at the end of games, like it's not like they were giving up those quick store scores. They forced them to take time off the clock. They they kept the top on the defense. They weren't allowing massive gains and they were getting their hands on the football repeatedly. They just couldn't make a play. Now, all that really matters at the end of the day is the wins and losses. But if you had to pick a second thing that matters, you, you might say like, huh, what does the score look like? And if you look at the score, it was too close. Colorado is probably too much better than Stanford or too much better than UCLA to have been in games that had those sorts of scores. Probably. Again, we don't really know what exactly the buffs are. Um, but we do see like the beginnings of a couple of flaws, as well as a whole bunch of strengths. You know, the passing game, the running game, um, the I, I don't know about the special teams, what to make of what's going on there. Um, but if they shore up that pass defense or even, you know, if, if the pass rush kicks it up just one more gear, like, I don't think you can ask for too much more. I mean, I guess maybe some more sacks. Uh, I, it just feels like the pass rush has been good enough that the sacks will come, um, that that should just kind of be a final piece and almost like it's kind of fluky if they haven't had more, honestly, but If they did want to kick that up another notch, that would take even more pressure off the secondary. Like, I don't think that that's a realistic expectation to have of a pass rush. Um, But it is one of the paths toward this defense becoming what I think it's capable of becoming. Um, We can move along, though. Um Mustafa said that the uh, cancellation, you know, they're taking it day by day load is a little bit lighter this week. Everybody's still locked in. Like it's a game week. Everybody's trying to get better Uh, in terms of the testing. He said that everybody's kind of gotten used to it. Um, You have to get up two hours earlier than normal for practice, but again, just kind of become normal. Um, He was, this was an interesting question. He was asked about his snap counts because all those starting defensive linemen have been playing about 70, 75 snaps a game. That's more than in the past. Um, he says that, yeah, it's tough on the body, but if you're taking care of it, you're going to be okay. Uh, he said the world-class athletes, and that's how they're going to treat their bodies, and that's what they're going to expect of their bodies. Uh, it's not a hassle to be out there that much, um, although it is nice to keep developing the twos because the better they get, the easier it'll become for the starters. Um, they'll get to take a couple snaps off, and, and he did end by saying this. Um the, taking this many snaps might take more of a toll on the starting defensive lineman in a couple of weeks. You know, he says that's when he thinks that they might start to feel a little bit more. Um, yeah, um, he also said, you know, that's been this push. You know, Chris Wilson says like practice reps should look like game reps, and, and that's why they've had such success. Um, developing the reserves is because that's how they treat everything. And then Mustafa added, you know, without fans at the games, games kind of feel like practices in a way too. Um Isaiah Lewis was the final person we heard from yesterday. He said that the attention to detail is the difference um, between the defense this year and last year on offense, defense, and special teams. Um, with Brett Maxey, he says that he's been great. You know, talking with Tyson Summers last year when he was a safeties coach, uh, he he was great as well. Um, they want everybody to be on the same page and that they, he feels like the coaching staff as a whole is uh, taking a step forward this year. Um Let's see. He says that he likes playing all three positions, whether it's a star, strong safety, free safety. A star is new for him. Um, strong safety, free safety are just as fun, though. Um, they're all pretty much equal. I uh, said that uh, it, he, he was pretty close with Sam. He still is really close with Sam uh, Neuer. And that he said it was it was like kind of funny last year when Sam joined the safeties room, but also like really serious because they realized like he had to be on the field and it was kind of like a strange situation. Um, statement from Rick George. We are waiting out the day to make sure the other five PAC 12 games that are scheduled will go forth with no COVID issues and that we would not be matched in a conference game. That being said, even though the conference has approved non-conference opponents, if one can be found that satisfies the testing protocols that, pack 12 has in place for its members we will not play a non-conference opponent this weekend however in the future of a similar instance arises it would give us more time to prepare but for now we want to concentrate on game preparations for the usc game next saturday in los angeles so there you have it won't be a non-conference game for colorado this week but um still time to see another pack 12 game get canceled again i i feel like i don't want to root for that as badly as i want the buffs to play like you don't root for the virus in a pandemic you just don't do it um but we'll see how that goes and uh I've pretty much given all my thoughts on all of that up to this point so might as well just get back to isaiah lewis um let's see uh, the dropped interceptions he said we're in the right pos- pr- position it just comes down to finishing we have to want to make the play and you know this is something we've heard repeatedly we're doing ball drills daily and we've heard that from Isaiah, heard that from Tyson Summers, from Carl Durrell, from um, oh, uh, from Darian Rakestraw. I think there were more this week too. I think every defensive player we've talked to has said, and even coach who oversees the defense, whether that means Tyson Summers or Carl Durrell, who oversees everybody. I, I, I think that the days of the Colorado Buffaloes dropping interceptions may be behind them. I think that there has probably been enough talk this week about how the narrative has changed because of those dropped interceptions. Because if you make those picks, that totally changes how the secondary grades out. You know, not allowing the big plays. Say, say you know what, there were the two long scoring drives, and on those two drives, if instead of letting them get down the field and score, you get an interception... Then you look at the box score after the game, take 14 points off the board, and the Buffs win 35-18 and have a couple of picks, not giving up big plays. The secondary is being praised. And again, you got to see it before you can say, well, they were so close. It could have been that way. There was some fluky stuff. No, maybe they all can't catch, and it wasn't fluky. That would surprise me, especially after this week, when I think they legitimately may be spending half of practice just trying to catch footballs. That, in theory, should be solved. On um, terms of the PBUs, um, Isaiah said the biggest emphasis is getting the ball. They like pass breakups. They want interceptions, and that's what they're out there to do is get interceptions. Um, hopefully we'll see just a little bit more than that, or more of that, not more than that. Um. Real quick before we get into some notes and some of my thoughts from today, uh, let's give a quick shout-out to DraftKings Sportsbook. Week 10 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week 11. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 11, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the app store now because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings for any bet placed on UFC 255. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DMVR to get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. $1,000. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet. Oh, no. Just a first deposit bonus. That was the old read that had first bet match. Uh, deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also... You may have heard us mention that there are some big things happening in the Colorado rugby space, and now we can spill all of the details – DNVR is now covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States. Reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast. And you can find his written rugby content right on our site with the rest of our coverage. It was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams. That means that Colorado is the place to be for rugby in the United States, so make sure you're keeping up to speed with us and with Colton on the DNVR Rugby Podcast. Uh, this is the perfect time to learn the game of rugby. Our guy Colton is doing basic one-on-one pods to break down the game for you, and they are incredible. Colton also brings you exclusive one-on-one interviews with some of the biggest names in American rugby. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us, so download the DNVR Rugby Podcast and follow along at DNVR Rugby on Twitter. All right, uh, let's fly through the notes from today. Um starting with Tyson Summers. Uh, Tyson Summers, the defensive coordinator, uh, said that they've been playing well in the first half and they have to be better in the second half. Uh, They need a better rush overall. Um, Mentioned, like I said, the 15-13 play drives, and they dropped five turnovers on those drives. Um, He added, like I mentioned, that they're going to be doing ball drills every day um, and that he really thinks that they should be able to play their zone and make plays on the ball. Uh, There's still getting ready to do that. Um, also, he said that, like, when they're playing well, you know, he, what he said is that's as good of a first-half defense as anybody in the country, which, you know, I said it's basically, like, as good of a run defense as anybody in the country. I think, as I mentioned earlier, it might be kind of the same thing. I think that teams might just start throwing the ball against Colorado, and if Colorado's next game is against USC – you can almost guarantee it. Uh, that'll be a, uh, a a an interesting game. We're gonna learn a lot about the buffs, and you know that that may end up being the Pac-12 title game with how things sit right now. Um, I'm not sure how exactly they'll decide the standings, but if if you were to look right now at the Pac-12 South, you have Colorado and USC. Both at 2-0. You have UCLA at 1-1. Uh, you have Utah, Arizona. Or I guess you have Arizona, Arizona State at 0-1. Utah hasn't played a game. So, I mean, if you do beat Utah, then you're 3-0 and with two games to play. And Utah would need to finish ahead of you. Like, you have that tiebreaker. And so, really, you'd need to lose those last two, finish 3-2. and two. USC would be 2-1. and one. They'd need to win their last two. So, for USC to beat Colorado, if Colorado beats them in the game next week, then you would need to see Colorado lose out and USC win out for that to decide the... Uh, the Pac-12 South, for Colorado to not win. For UCLA, well, they're only 1-1, in and, 1, and they've already lost to Colorado. So they need to go three. They would need to win three games, and for Colorado to lose everything but the USC game. Um but even then, they may have another loss, which changes the math. Um, the the point is, uh, the the tough situation is Utah because if Colorado lost to Utah, then Utah obviously would have the tiebreaker. Utah doesn't have a loss, Colorado would have a loss, and so I'm not sure if they just go straight by like winning percentage, which they might, but. This is an important game against USC coming up now. Is This is the point of all this. Colorado would be an overwhelming favorite to make it to the Pac-12 title game. And you can't ask for much more than that. Um, back to the notes. Where are we in these notes? Um, oh, there we go. Um, again, the whole run defense versus pass defense thing, is that what it is? Is it first half, second half? We're going to learn. Um, he said Mustafa's playing at a high level. He's shown the ability to do that. He, he confirmed that what we all kind of knew, that he was really banged up for most of the last year, even when he came back from that sprained ankle. Um, a sprained ankle that happened on one of the cut blocks um, in the Air Force game. Um, versatile DBs are doing well. Um he thinks everybody's kind of in the right place now in terms of where they fit best into the buff scheme. Everybody was shifting around. Uh, they all have kind of the same working mindset. He said, um, they want to learn and they have really good confidence. Um, in terms of his defensive coaching staff, Tyson said that they're all really good men, good people. And they're fantastic coaches too. And they have fantastic resumes and that they're really just spending a lot of time together, figuring out what to do, um, a- any given week. Um, They want to play this week, um, but their challenges – in the same way there are challenges every week. um, They would be really excited about it. Again, there would be long nights, a lot of coffee, but uh, they want to play soon, and they'll be ready ready however, whoever, whenever we play next is what he said. Um, In terms of USC, they said they're taking it day to day. They aren't really looking ahead. Still could find a game. Uh, and they want to get better at the things they need to get better at. Um, USC's 2-0, and always talented, always good coaches, but right now they're focusing on themselves. And now, Jarek Broussard, uh, trying to find ways to get better. Uh, he says the hard work is paying off. You know, Jarek isn't the most outspoken person. I don't know what the opposite of that would be, like, in-spoken. Um, but, but he's pretty, like, quick in his answers. And I don't think it's because he doesn't, like have a lot to say. I think I think that he just very quickly hears a question is like, I know what the answer to this question is. It's like somebody asks something like, uh, what's it like, Jarek, to to be you right now, leading the Pac-12 in rushing and doing all the things that you're doing? And he just says like, pretty quickly, I'm not focused on breaking records. I'm just trying to help the team win. And if that's what it takes, then that's what I'll do. And it's just like nice and concise and you know, it's not like he's dodging any questions. It's it it can kind of feel like not I don't know what you call it. Like it's not coach speak because he's not a coach, but it kind of is coach speak where it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter. Focus on the team. That kind of stuff. But you can tell that it is just like the truth. You ask the man, "What's it like breaking these records?" He says, "Nah, I just want to win. And if that's what happens on the way to a win, then sure that's what I'll do." And and it's 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 nice and it's very genuine. Um he said that for him, preparing for a game this late in the week wouldn't be that difficult for him. Um, and they've kind of just been preparing like there was a game anyway. Um, in terms of how the running backs are used, whether he feels like he's getting a lot of touches, maybe too many touches, he said, like, we're just going to ride with a guy with a hot hand. If somebody's running the ball well, we're going to give him the ball more. You know, it's simple stuff, but it's that very clear, concise approach to the game. Like, I don't know, not to get too, uh, too deep here, but you can, you can almost see it in the way he runs where it's just like, I am running right here and then I'm cutting and then I'm spinning. It just, he is such a decisive runner. And, uh, this is a dumb thing to say. What a dumb comparison that I just made, but you know, it's where we are. Um, what else did we learn from Jarek? Um, he says that he's getting a lot of texts after games. He said there's like a whole lot of love popping up. Um, but again, doesn't really care about that. He's just trying to get to the Pac-12 title game, um, which is just so nice to hear. Like, just to hear those words. Because two games into the conference season last year, I guess the Buffs still had a chance. Um, they had the win against Arizona State. And was that, was it the UCLA game that was also up there? I can't remember, but I thought they started one and one in conference play. Um, So I guess they still, in theory, had a shot at the Pac-12 title game, but obviously 2-0 gives you a much better chance, and uh, hopefully they can keep that going because it is just nice for them to be able to say every day, well, what we're trying to do is go to the Pac-12 championship, but that means take it day by day. And just when you have that end goal still in mind, that's what makes the season feel like it's going well. Because it is. Um, You know... Uh, Again, talking about like having a bunch of carries, he said uh, uh, he says that he feels fine. Um, He says that he does a really good job rehabbing during the week, just kind of like getting the body built back to what it needs to be um, before he takes another beating because he's had. I don't think he's averaged 30 touches per game. But he's gotten really close. I would say it's got to be like 28, 29 touches a game, which means, I don't know, you you score touchdowns. I guess he scored touchdowns on quite a few of them. Um, Say like five of them are touchdowns. Ten of them he gets out of bounds. Um, That means that, oh, you got to cut that in half because I did per game. He's he's still taking 20 hits per game. And that's a lot of hits to take, especially when you are uh, barely bigger than me. Um, Still bigger than me and definitely healthier and all that stuff compared to me, but barely bigger than me. Um, He did say, though, that having the two ACL injuries really helped him um, because, well, I mean, in a lot of ways they hindered him, but that should go without saying. But the way that they helped him is because they kind of like taught him how to rehab. And he spent so much time going through those processes that now it makes getting your your body back in shape after taking a bit of a beating in a game one Saturday and and spending Sunday Monday maybe even Tuesday getting the body back so that you're ready to go for the week of practice and then another game the next Saturday, um, which is interesting. Probably the most interesting thing he said. Um, he also said that they've been that he's pretty close with Sam. Um, and that he's been pretty close with Sam for quite a while. Uh, and at the beginning of the year, they, they said they told each other from the jump that they had to ride with each other. And it uh, seems like it's going well. Um, some quick notes from Darian Rake Straw. He said that Isaiah Lewis had a great camp. He said he can play any position. has been here a while. He knows the system. Just a smart, versatile player. Uh, again, not much there that's groundbreaking. But... Um that's what we heard. Um in terms of the dropped interceptions, he said that they are crazy frustrating. Um but again as we've been hearing every day, they're doing ball drills after practice, um doing or at practice uh, and they need to start converting those into interceptions. Uh in the second half defense, he said that they need to do better making adjustments, um being ready to fly around in the second half. Um He said that once we stop the run in the first, we have to be ready to stop the pass in the second. And that's something that I kind of talked about earlier. And again, when he said that though, that just validated the thought that I had. And uh, I think we might be onto something there. I think we might be onto something. Um, not sure why it keeps happening, but we need to eliminate that. The uh, second half comebacks that they're giving up never completed, but you know. Um, talked about Christian Gonzalez and he said he's excited to see what he does in the future. He has huge potential. He's doing a great job for us. And then when he was asked specifically about Christian getting picked on because he is a freshman, um, which is something that we've heard from Carl before. Um, Darian said like, yeah, he he needs to keep his head up. He's a baller. He knows what he can do. We know what he can do and he needs to tighten it down. Um, sometimes he can just be in his own world and he needs to tighten down and lock in because they know that he can do it and he just has to go do it. Um, so yeah, uh, again, not a huge surprise at some point, Christian's just going to flip this switch. And when it comes, it's going to be glorious. Um, he did uh, get asked, like, do they actually call you old man in the safeties room? And they said, yeah, get that. I get called coach, get called a whole bunch of things. Uh, it's a tough life being Darian Rakestraw with a bunch of children in the safeties room. Um, on the pressure, uh, he said that when the defensive line creates pressure, makes things hard on the quarterback, obviously it makes their job easier. And they've done a great job of pressuring the quarterback. Um, they've been very physical up front. Um he said that obviously, like, you don't have to cover as long when the pass rush is getting home, but also, um, it means that the quarterback has to force the ball out. And when he's forcing the ball out before he's ready to make a decision, then that's where you start to make some mistakes. And you see him throw four to five interceptable balls, and they really do need to start capitalizing on those. Um, and then on the daily testing. Said it was weird at first, but they're used to it now. They have to do it after practice um, today um, because of the way the week works. Um, But he does feel like they're, like, moving through the testing quickly, but they're just kind of, like, used to it at this point. Some people have to show up two hours early. Um, I think that's all the information we have. Like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking some women's basketball tomorrow. Um, we'll throw in some football talk and break down an opponent if there is an opponent. Um, but, yeah, with no game, it's starting to look like this week. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to hear from Annika Jank and uh, Aubrey Knight. So I'm excited about that, and I hope you are too, and I will see you then. I think they like my Colorado Because